IU football clearly in a rebuilding phase as they head into the season this fall. But what is the most talented position group for the Hoosiers? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Hoosiers. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We are your one-stop shop for everything IU athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. I want to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college basketball recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. We did not have a uh, recruiting show this week, but we've had a number of them in recent weeks. So big thanks to uh, LinkedIn for making that possible. Well, what we are going to talk about today are some kind of fill-in-the-blank topics. And this is admittedly something I took directly from Locked on Blue Devils. I'd seen them doing it over the last couple weeks. Uh, So big shout-out to J.J. Jackson, Locked on Blue Devils podcast, for this idea. I would say go give them a listen. Uh, I can't imagine the crossover audience between IU and Duke is that big, but certainly want to give them credit for this. So I have three questions today. We're going to fill in the blanks along the way. Uh, The most talented position group for IU football this season is blank. Uh, There are a number of ways you could break up what position group means. I tried to get as specific as possible because this is a question we've kind of talked about a little bit. If you break it up, especially defensively, as simply defensive line, linebacker, secondary, the secondary is going to blow everybody out of the water. And they are by far the most talented group on the team. That secondary is going to be one of the best secondaries in the Big Ten this season. Might be a hot take, but I truly, truly believe that. I I think this group is going to be really good. So I wanted to break it up, do defensive ends, uh, maybe more edge rushers with that bull position. Uh, do tackles, do linebackers, do cornerbacks, do safeties, put the Huskies with the safeties. Uh, And if you break it up like that, I mean, it's still obviously going to be a piece of the secondary. Uh, I think it really just comes down to, is it the safeties or is it the cornerbacks? For me, I ended up deciding on cornerbacks as being the most talented position group this season. I do think there is a debate though, Uh, but with Taiwan Mullen and Jalen Williams, it's a top-heavy kind of group for the cornerbacks, but those two are so good that I think it's still going to be the most talented group on the Hoosiers this season. Taiwan Mullen is going to get preseason All-Big Ten honors. He's already started to receive that. Um, Jalen Williams has been honorable mention in a number of places. I wouldn't be surprised if Taiwan Mullen, if he's healthy, gets back to that All-American level. Jalen Williams, if he takes one more step forward in his final year of eligibility, I think he could be on that level too. Uh, Not All-American, excuse me, All-Big Ten level. So you have two guys right there that are going to be 
terrific uh, cornerbacks in the number one, number two slot. The the di- I guess the debate comes in that this is a really, as I said, top loaded position. The third best cornerback isn't clear. Tom Allen was actually asked about it uh, on Monday's press conference. He said, "I think the first guy that jumps out to me that continues to really impress and elevate his pl- his play is Brylon Lanier." And we're really excited about him. I think Lim Watley Neely is also right up there. Both those guys have definitely separated themselves, I believe, from the rest of the group in regard to making plays in practice and understanding the position. Those are your those. That was a question in regards to who's the third best cornerback, basically, because we know the first two are locked in. Uh, so it sounds like those two guys are going to be the next up. Listen, we saw last season how quickly things can go off the track, and you might need those guys. Um, Jalen Williams was forced into a, uh, number one cornerback position when he started the year as the third best guy. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how much those two are needed. You have James Mons, the third, a true freshman. That's kind of in that mix a bit. Uh, he was in the battle for the backup spot on one of the cornerback positions with the only depth chart we have out. It was Lanier and James Mons. So, you also have Travell Mullen, who was a member of this um, recruiting class, another true freshman coming in as well. So there's depth there. It's just kind of younger, a little more unproven depth. Uh, Lanier is a true or is a redshirt freshman, excuse me. Watley Neely, a redshirt sophomore. So it's a group that's pretty top heavy. You could make an argument for safeties, especially if you include the Husky position. Devon Matthews is. Um, a, a huge piece of that secondary Bryant Fitzgerald in the other safety spot. You have Jonathan Haynes uh, and Josh Sanguinetti, uh, both who saw time last season when Matthews was injured. You have the Husky position, Noah Pierre, another guy who was forced into a bigger role uh, in the secondary as a cornerback last season, making the transition over to Husky. So there's a pretty strong argument for safety being uh, the most talented group. I think it's one of those. I did want to give a a little bit of a shout out to maybe a wild card uh, selection. The wide receiver position, if we're talking just sheer talent, I think there's a good amount of talent in the wide receiver position. DJ Matthews obviously leads that up. Uh, You have Javon Swinton, who we know about. Malachi Holt Bennett, we know about. There's a lot of uncertainty, but that doesn't take away from the talent necessarily. Uh, when you have Cam Camper, Emory Simmons, um, Anderson Kobe, all transfers coming in, De- or uh, Donovan McCauley, who obviously has made that switch. Um, there's also a great piece in the Indy Star today about Donovan McCauley and Omar Cooper, another one. Uh, two guys who were teammates at, at Lawrence North, uh, one of them throwing to the other one, and now they're teammates at IU just in the same meeting room. Uh, so uh, a ton of talent there. It may not be proven talent yet, and there's still some learning curves and uh, that IU will have to navigate through this season, but there is a lot of talent there, and we could see that uh, this season, maybe in stops and starts, maybe in flashes. Hopefully there's some consistency to it, but wanted to give that group a shout-out. Next question, a 6-6 six and six football record in 2022 would be blank. We'll get to that answer here in just one moment. We mentioned them at the top of the show, 
but LinkedIn Jobs is today's sponsor. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you can add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile so you can spread the word that you're hiring to your network and help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you guys know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I want to also thank you guys for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. The Ultimate College Football Preview is here, a seven-episode preview with college experts and local team experts and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's going to be everything you guys need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Now, let's dive back into the discussion. A 6-6 six and six football record in 2022 would be blank. Uh, there are a number of words that came to mind. Ultimately, uh, I guess this is more of a phrase than a word. Uh, for me, a 6-6 six and six football record would be best case scenario for IU in 2022. Um, maybe realistic best case scenario. Obviously, the best case scenario is 12-0. and 0. It's not happening, uh, but a six and six record. I think we heard Tom Allen talk about this and uh, we mentioned it on, um, I believe yesterday's show might've been Tuesday show. These days are blending together in the lead up, but he basically made the comment that uh, in 2022, we're going to prove whether the outlier was 2020 or 2021. Is this an IU program still on the rise? Uh, still, that upward trajectory led by Tom Allen or was last year back to the norm. And we're back to this struggling program that can't get things right. If IU goes six and six, they're proving last year was the outlier. Uh, and that this is still a program upward trajectory. I know it can get kind of lost in the shuffle, especially with how good 2020 was a bowl game is still such a rarity for IU football that that is still a successful season bar none. I made this argument last year. I will make this argument for quite a while moving forward, especially as long as IU doesn't win a bowl game, which is another discussion entirely. But uh, so long as IU makes a bowl game, to me, that's a successful season. That's continuing to build, continuing to hit this benchmark that you can aim for year after year and improve upon from there. But so long as you're getting to the bowl or getting to a bowl game, semi-routinely and ideally it would be yearly uh, which maybe that changes when we get rid of divisions in the Big Ten and IU plays teams uh, like Illinois, Northwestern, um, Rutgers hopefully regularly but teams kind of more at their level and not the Ohio States and the Michigans. If they're playing those teams more regularly 
then maybe we can get to bowl games yearly. And maybe, maybe Tom Allen can get this turned back around once again. But right now, so long as we're making a bowl game, that's a successful season. And when you look at this season specifically, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot that we don't know. Um, we've spent all fall camp, all preseason leading up to uh, week one against Illinois talking about this, but there's just so much that we don't really have any sense on. And the offense is the biggest part of that. So uh, it's hard to really project. We did our best to do it um, in last week when we looked at the schedule and I predicted, I, I believe I landed on five and seven. Even that felt a tad optimistic. Six and six, I think, is about as best case scenario as you can imagine, because that means you're winning most likely your first three games of the season. Uh, then you're beating uh, three of probably Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, and Purdue. Uh, three of those four, I would imagine, you're winning. Those are the most likely wins on the schedule. Uh, so if you're finishing six and six, you're going back to a bowl game this season. I That is a huge victory for Tom Allen and for the IU program, because especially if it if you end the season beating Purdue to get back to a bowl game, to get the Oakham bucket back, to kind of erase last year, that's a huge win. That That is um, trying to... I, I want to almost say it's program saving. I don't think it's quite that far, but you get the program right back on track where it was before last year. And that's huge because the longer IU struggles to get back on track after what happened last year, the more it feels like that might not be the case again. And we saw how quickly uh, things can devolve. And we spent, however many years in the wilderness during the 2000s into the Kevin Wilson years uh, before Tom Allen kind of drug them out of it. Uh, Kevin Wilson had started to get him there, but Tom Allen really drug him out of it. Uh, so we can see how long that can spiral and, and turn into a downward spiral at that. So uh, the quicker Indiana can get it turned around, the better and the quicker you can immediately um, continue to build. Because if you, you get to six and six this year and then you use that freshman recruiting class to continue building up uh, this historic class and you continue building on that uh, you can continue to sell this leo this culture that indiana is uh, built on uh, it's easier to continue selling recruits on that whether high school ones or transfer portal ones um, the longer indiana is two, three, four wins, the harder it is to sell this LEO culture. Uh, seems like Tom Allen hasn't had a problem with it, but at some point you have to wonder if that, I, I love the, the idea of the culture. It's just at some point recruits are going to start wondering, is that a winning one? Was that just kind of a flash in the pan in 2020? Did a lot of things break right for Indiana, which they did, but was that season a result directly of that? Or was that Indiana taking advantage? It's just this chicken or the egg argument. So six and six, if they landed there this year, best case scenario, I think. And I would gladly celebrate a, a random appearance in the 
pinstripe bowl or the foster farms bowl or whatever it's going to end up being uh, that IU would land in, I would happily celebrate that. So that would be ideal. I would love that. Now, maybe my most, the most fun question doesn't have to do with this season, but it led me down a rabbit hole. The most exciting offensive player over the last decade for IU is, we'll dive into that here in just a moment. So I did actually enjoy, maybe this is a little bit of masochism. I did enjoy going back the last decade and looking at some of the, the names that I forgot about uh, in trying to put together a list or an idea of who I would consider the most exciting offensive player over the last decade. Now, I am sure all of you probably thought of the same name that I thought of right away. Uh, and we'll see if, if that's number one. I ultimately put together a list of 10. I'm going to go through them kind of quickly here because uh, I don't want to be here all day. It could be fun and it may be a podcast we expand upon uh, in the future. But I'll start at the bottom. Number 10, actually Peyton Hendershot, a name that maybe um, – you wouldn't ex- associate with exciting, but he was such a constant force for IU offensively during his time here. Probably the greatest tight end IU's ever had. Um, and someone that was really dependable f- throughout his time here. So um, exciting, maybe not, but he did have some big plays throughout the years. And uh, th- I think that matters. It's obviously kind of a low bar for IU football, but he was an exciting player and he made some big plays throughout the years. Uh one of only two quarterbacks on this list. Number nine is Nate Sudfeld. Again, not necessarily a player you think of. There's actually three quarterbacks on this list. I lied. Uh, not Nate Sudfeld, not someone you think of as, as exciting, but in the same vein as Peyton Hendershot. I mean, Sudfeld is the be- one of the best quarterbacks Indiana's had ever, point blank. And especially kind of in the modern era, he probably is the best. Uh, again, it's not a super like long list full chock full of all these great players, but Sudfeld was a great quarterback. And I think someone that everybody at IU would take over just about anybody uh, in this modern era. uh, If you get the full length of his uh, season and especially those latter years where he was really, really good. Number eight, Cody Latimer. Uh, He barely squeaked in. He was just about a decade ago, but someone that, uh, a ton of fun. He was, when IU was at peak chaos team, uh, he was one of the standout wide receivers that made that possible. 2000 receiving yards across three seasons. He had a thousand, uh, yard season his last year in Bloomington with nine touchdowns. Uh, that was in 2013. So as I said, barely snuck in, uh, but that was on a, a chaos team, uh, that went five and seven, uh, Latimer, Kofi Hughes, Shane Wynn, those latter two names had uh, great cases to be on this list as well. Chaos team guys always hold a special place in my heart. To that point, to some degree, uh, number, I believe, seven, Xander Diamant, which uh, I know there can be some differing opinions on Xander. Uh, he was a flawed player that was thrown into a situation that uh, he... Was not ready for, especially that 2014 season, still getting that win over Purdue and the uh, infamous meme of him holding the bucket with a cigar was absolutely incredible and worth it. Uh, He turned into um, 
something different later in his career. He obviously had the Ohio State game and that crazy rushing touchdown that blew all of our minds, and he nearly led IU to that win. Um, but then it turned into surf and turf with him and Tyler Nady in his final season. Uh, he had the touchdown against uh, Utah in the bowl game with the with the Connor McGregor walk afterwards. Uh, he had a hundred yard rushing season against, or game against Maryland with a couple touchdowns. That was peak surf and turf. So uh, he was a fun player. You knew when he was on the field something wild was going to happen. Um, was he a, a a? I it was hard to rank him in this list because I really did enjoy him. I know a lot of people hated watching him throw a football, but whatever. It was fun. It was exciting when he was on the field, especially that last season. Simi Cobbs, number six on this list, uh, a player who had his thousand yard receiving season as a sophomore, gets injured the next season, comes back as a senior, maybe didn't put up quite the numbers he wanted, uh, but still for ni- 1,900 yards uh, in IU football uh, across his career, that's a lot for uh for IU football. Uh, it may not be a lot for other programs, but, uh, for IU that that's a good amount. And uh, I'm trying to rapidly pull up. I use records because I think that's going to fit. That's going to be pretty high up on the list of, uh, for receiving all time. Um, it is just outside the top 10, uh, to 2,000 yards is about the benchmark for top 10. Um, Latimer just missed it as well. But Simi Cobbs, uh, awesome player. I'm, I'm never going to forget that Ohio State game to, to start his senior year where uh, he absolutely bullied Denzel Ward. Uh, we'll ignore the result. I'll always remember that game. Number five, Wap Fillier, who does make IU's top 10 all-time in receiving. Uh, a dynamic player that uh, maybe we didn't realize how important he was uh, his final season just because of um, he was so reliable. His last two seasons, 114 catches and 1,500 yards uh, receiving. He does finish over 2,000 with uh, 12 touchdowns. Um, he's also up there for uh, receptions. If he would have played his final season, he would be the all-time leader in receptions. And he very well might have um, played, or he very well might have finished first in receiving yards as well. He would have had a really strong case, depending on how uh, that season would have played out. He would have had a strong case for being the best IU receiver of all time, which a little more debatable. There have been some good wide receivers that have come through, but statistically he would have been up there. Uh, I think there's a, a gap between the names we gave to number four, uh, number of running backs are coming up. Uh, Stevie Scott is number four on this list. Uh, again, another guy that started off really strong, maybe didn't match his success of his freshman season where he ran for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. He hit 10 touchdowns every season. Uh, his, uh, yards went down every season. Uh, he played 11 games, his sophomore year, eight games, his junior year, but ultimately, uh, a, Really, really reliable back. 30 touchdowns, which is fourth most in IU history. Uh, and he ran for 2,500 yards 
which is ninth most in IU history. So one of the best running backs IU's ever had um, in the program. Again, a guy that might have been a little underrated. I think by the end, he, we all realized how good he was and uh, just a really dependable back. Number three, this was a one-year wonder, but what a wonderful year it was. Jordan Howard uh, only plays one year at Bloomington. Nine games, 1,213 yards, nine touchdowns. He almost deserves to make this list for one game alone. Nearly drags Indiana to a win against Michigan. Ran 35 times for 238 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, He bursts onto the scene right away. Three touchdowns against Southern Illinois. Uh, he had a 200-yard game against Western Kentucky. Um, he got injured late in that season and didn't finish out the season. But my word, what a player he was and such a fun season. We've seen it go different ways. Stephen Carr couldn't quite put it together quite as well as Howard did last year. It's hard to come into a program for one season uh, and really showcase yourself. Howard had another year of eligibility, but... Played so well that season he went to the NFL, was able to carve out a role in the NFL as well, which is something not a lot of IU players have done. The runner-up for me, Michael Penix. Again, um, it'd be a little more harsh to say one season wonder because he had a couple seasons where he looked really good. There's just one season in particular where he was able to put it all together before getting injured and turn IU into must-watch TV, and not for chaos team reasons. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to pick the quarterback of the of the best team we've had in uh, decades and decades. Uh, so he was the reason that 2020 team was so, so much fun to watch. One of the greatest single-game passing performances in Indiana history. Um, literally the second-most yards somebody's ever thrown for just shy of that 500-yard mark against Ohio State. So uh, incredible from him. It's just such a shame. It's always going to be a shame he he couldn't stay healthy, and, and that's something we've talked about this offseason. As we mentioned in uh, Wednesday's show, he's going to be the starter at Washington this season, and I am eager to watch him and hope nothing, nothing but the best for him this season. Number one, though, I'd imagine this is the name all you guys thought of when this question came up. Tevin Coleman, number one. I'm not sure it's close either. Uh, It is a pretty big gap. Even as fun as Michael Penix was, even as great as he was, Tevin Coleman's 2014 season was remarkable. I don't think he got enough credit for how good he was uh, that season specifically. I think if he played at a different program, a higher um one with more notoriety he would have had a lot more buzz about him but to run for 2000 yards is is wild a wild number to even put out there uh and he obviously has the insane game against Rutgers 307 yards in that one um that whole season though he only had one game where he didn't rush for 100 yards uh was absolutely dominant throughout that season I mean, to put it in context, the 10th best career rushing yards mark in Indiana football is 2,400 yards. Tevin Coleman ran for 2,036 in uh, 2014. So he's at fifth most yards all time rushing. uh, And he left a year early. 
he could have been up there. He wouldn't have gotten number one. That's Anthony Thompson. Um, he would have needed another 2,000-yard season. Uh, but he would have been number two, almost certainly behind uh, Thompson. So one of the greatest running backs, one of the most fun seasons I can remember. Uh, again, really in the middle of those peak chaos team days uh, that he was one of the more reliable things we had when when everything else like felt like it could be a high variance between high and low. Uh, we knew that we could rely upon Tevin Coleman to be incredible. Um, and what a, what a fun back he was. Another guy that carved out a, a pretty lengthy NFL career. Uh, but he's number one for me, the most exciting offensive player over the last decade for IU. This one drug on a little long with that last segment. It was a fun episode though. If you guys liked this, let me know whether in the YouTube comments, whether on Twitter, uh, whether in a review on iTunes, let me know if there's other fill in the blanks you want to do. Maybe we can do a defensive player one. That one might not be as great. Uh, those chaos teams were not built on defense. so. Uh, but maybe we can do the different categories as well. If you guys have some in mind, uh, let us know. Send in your questions. I'd love to be able to do a mailbag episode if you guys are interested in it. So tweet us questions. Put them in the comments on YouTube. Uh, leave it in a review on iTunes. But thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. Know what's going on. Uh, with every team across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. Locked On Big Ten. I'm on today's episode, uh, so go over and make that your second listen. Follow us on Twitter if you have not already, at LO underscore Hoosier. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave that rating and review with your question on there. But most importantly, though, guys, want everybody to have a terrific, terrific Thursday in LEO.